Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. This is the interview edition, and we've got a handful of interviews for you this week. I mean, it's kind of an off week in the UFC, but that doesn't mean that we are not going to speak to some of the big names in the sport. We'll start off with Rashad Evans, who's coming back this Friday night for Eagle FC. He's uh, in the co-main event. It's been about four years since we've seen Sugar Rashad Evans in action. Looked great. I was uh, talking to him. Looks like he's in, in fantastic shape. In the co-main event against Gabriel Checo, who uh, has previously fought for the LFA championship. Uh, tough opponent for Rashad Evans to come back to. And that's part of a, a pretty solid Eagle FC card. I know that this is their first card at this new production facility in Miami. And they've got a lot more planned. I believe they have another one planned for March. So there, the, the balls are rolling over uh, at Eagle FC. It looks like they're going to be introducing some big talent into North America that uh, have come from overseas, as well as highlighting a lot of the veteran talent in the sport. And I'll also be speaking with a man who is loosely involved with Eagle FC, but is mostly because he's, of course, good friends with the promoters, Rizvan Magomedov and uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. And that's Ali Abdelaziz. Ali Abdelaziz, of course, manages... The likes of Justin Gaethje, who they just announced today would be fighting Charles Oliveira in May. Um, you've got Vicente Luque taking on Bilal Muhammad soon, both represented by Ali. And of course, Kayla Harrison, who has not yet resigned with the PFL, but uh, it seems like it is certainly heading in that direction. He will join me, as will Jasmine Jastavicius, who... I guess it's Jazdavicious. Jazdavicious. I've got to just ignore the U in that last name. But she is a Canadian who made her debut at UFC 270. First fight of the card and came away with a unanimous decision win in her debut. She was an underdog in that spot. I think she's got a really bright future in the UFC. And it seems like she is very eager to continue uh, fighting as often as she is able to. And she will join me as well. So let's get started. Here is Rashad Evans on the TSN MMA show. He's in the co-main event of Eagle FC taking on Gabriel Checo. It's been a while since we've seen Rashad Evans in action. What made you decide now was the time to get back at it, Rashad? I've been training a lot, and, uh, you know, ever since I stopped fighting, I've been in the gym and, um, you know, just just uh, just waiting for the opportunity to come along, you know, with everything that started happening with the, you know, MMA fighters going to boxing, it kind of, you know, kind of got the wheels turned a little bit more to kind of think that, you know, uh, you know, the return may be in boxing, but it got me to want to compete, you know. My mindset got around wanting to compete, and once I got my mindset around wanting to compete, it was just inevitable. You stayed close to the game for a while. You've been doing a lot of different commentary and analysis. Do you feel like that keeps your mind sharp in terms of how it, the sport has evolved in the time you've been away? Yeah, it definitely keeps your mind sharp, you know, and how the sport has evolved and just the little nuances that happen, you know, because when you're out there and, um, you know, you haven't been out there in a while, there's always little subtleties that changes in the game, you know, like we see the implementation of these, you know, these calf kicks now. That's just been completely just devastating the whole game. And, uh, you know, it takes a while for people to kind of catch on to it. But once they catch on to it, then there's going to be a new wrinkle in the game that people are exploiting. So keeping your, you know, keeping your ear to the to the streets, proverbially speaking, you know, it allows you to, uh, you know, know what you need to do if you've been out for a long time. Did it matter who the opponent was going to be for you? Because this isn't a warm-up fight. Gabriel Checo has still been in the heat of things. He's fought for the LFA championship. Um, what, what went into that process? Um, you know, uh, it was, um, you know, 
he was, you know, I've, I've had a few offers in and a few didn't go through, but, uh, you know, he was eager to fight me. And, um, you know, that just kind of made it more exciting for me because he, he really wanted to fight me. So it makes it easy to train when somebody really wants to fight you because it, it just, uh, it just kind of adds a whole nother element to it all in general. Now, as I mentioned, it's been about four years since we've seen you uh, in the octagon. In fact, I was looking at the card earlier, and two of the guys that fought before you were Charles Oliveira, who's now the lightweight champion, and Dan Ige. We see how much he's moved up the, uh, the featherweight ladder. But that said, four years away isn't necessarily the, the longest time away from the cage. Uh, how would you compare your skills now compared to then, and do you feel like you needed that time away to get to where you are right now? I definitely needed time, that time away to get to where I am right now. Um, you know, being able to have that time away and me, you know, just trying to find that love for fighting again. Sometimes in fighting, you know, you kind of burn out. And, you know, in my career in the UFC, you know, I went undefeated for so long. And then I had a few losses sprinkled out. But then at the end of my career, I lost some consecutive bouts in, in a row. And I never had that time to kind of just regroup, you know. So being able to take some time off to regroup and kind of see, you know, um, you know, if I wanted to do it or where the love for the fighting was still was, uh, what was something that was very intricate and very, very uh, important for me and a big deciding factor on me uh, coming back. What's your life been like the last four years? What, what would you say is the best thing that's happened to you since you've stepped away from the cage uh, before you've decided to come back? Um, a lot of good things have been happening. You know, I've, I've been, you know, developing, developing my business acumen uh, more than anything. You know, I've, um, you know, started the mushroom company, uh, me and, uh, you know, Jake Plummer and, uh, my friend Dale Jolly is called Umbo, and it's going to be launching soon. And there's, you know, I started Metatodes and just kind of, you know, just, just a few different things that I wanted to, uh, to, to really involve myself in. And, and for the most part, I found that piece of myself that, um, you know, that, that I was lacking in so many different areas. And maybe you can tell me a little bit more about it, because they've been doing a lot of testing on psychedelics in terms of uh, head injuries, in terms of PTSD. And if you're launching a company, I'm sure you're far more well-versed on it than the average person. I'd love to hear what kind of research has been going on and what's happening in terms of uh, the legalization of, of these sort of, um, you know, non-traditional medicines in North American society. Well, so the whole mycelium family is a huge network and complicated uh, network of, of very beneficial uh, mushrooms, you know. But the mushrooms that we're focusing on, they're called functional mushrooms. That's lion's mane, turkey tail, reishi. And, and those kind of things, chaga, and those kind of things that you can buy over the counter. So that'll be the difference in our brand. But in general, psychedelics are huge uh, when, when it comes to uh, neural health in general. You know, even even now, let me let me specify mushrooms. They're very good for when it comes to neurological health. You know, uh, the psilocybin is very good too for neurological health as well too, and it helps your brain heal. You know, um, you know, there's been times where you know I'll do some sparring, but then you know after I get done, I'll do you know, uh, like if I feel like I'm a little bit foggy, I'll do some, you know, uh, like a microdose of psilocybin to kind of help me on a neurological level. But there's been some very good uh, studies that have been done with neurological health and, uh, and, 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 and psilocybin. So, you know, it's starting, people are starting to, to understand, you know, where this, this whole, uh, you know, where mushrooms can go. I would have thought you'd say that the best thing that's happened to you in the last four years is that you've got to co-host shows with Brian Campbell. I mean, that, that's what I would have thought you'd say. <laughs> and BC is the best, man. I love Brian Campbell. You know, he's he, he's one of my favorites to work with, man. I absolutely love working. I mean, that, that's a huge highlight of my, you know, my side, y'all, man.
Yeah, I hear that. I mean, there was one day in the summer where you were unable to fill in for Luke Thomas, and I got the call. So I understand what it's like to come off the bench to co-host with that guy. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun, man. Uh, he 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 wild card, man. He's a funny guy too, man. He's he's so accidentally funny and so naturally funny. It's such a pleasure to work with him, you know. True professional. It wasn't like being in a promotion that's run by a, a fellow former fighter. Well, you're a current fighter because you're in the co-main event, but a, a fellow fighter in Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, and how's this uh, promotion running in terms of, you know, in comparison to a bigger promotion like the UFC that you're accustomed to? Um, you know, it's just running really well. You know, uh, you know, I mean, you know, there's not much to compare like the UFC. The UFC is just a machine of, of its own, and you know, well-oiled machine at that. So, you know, they they do things a little bit differently. But I will say. You know this um, this uh, this promotion is, is is on its way. It's on its way to do some amazing things. You know, what I'm saying it's on its way to do some amazing amazing things, and uh, you know it shows a lot of promise, especially you know the arena that they build and you know the fighter that they have. You know, coming on to to fight and compete for them, it's going to be pretty exciting to see what the future holds for uh, Eagle FC. I really like how they're putting it together because they've got a good mix of uh, veteran talent of. You know, a guy like Tyrone Spong, who hasn't done a ton of MMA, but I think is a very big name in the space. Uh, and then you've got a lot of different prospects coming up that are also on the card. So I think it's a really good mix and a good dynamic for people that want to check it out because they're going to learn a lot about some fighters that they don't know about and get to see a lot of the, the people that they, they really admire uh, and know about compete as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that that's the best way to do it. You know, you kind of mix the old with the new. You kind of mix them all together. And, uh, you know, it's the best way to bring on some talent, but at the same time showcase some talent that may be, you know, uh, you know, maybe just hungry and just not have the opportunities. So, um, you know, I've seen a lot of hungry guys, you know, you know, the look in John Howard eyes, you know, uh, it's it just very exciting to see, you know, Anthony and, and uh, you know, a bunch of different other guys on the card, too. They really want to compete. And they really want to make a statement. I want to ask you about something that caught my eye today because I think it relates to you. You obviously fought at heavyweight on the Ultimate Fighter and then moved to the light heavyweight division and the middleweight division. Now, Kamaru Usman, there was an article about him in GQ today that said that he was starting to prepare last year to face Jan Bojovic, who fights two divisions up from him. Now, I'm curious. I mean, we've seen Kamaru in person. He's a pretty big guy. But what would that be like for him? And if you were to guess what he walks around at, because that's probably what he would enter the cage at that night. He'd probably be giving up 20 pounds, but that's not something that you're not used to when you were fighting at both heavyweight and light heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kamaru can get pretty big, and, um, you know, when he's that big, he's very strong, you know. I mean, his, his strength is comparable with some of the light heavyweights that I felt and his persistence and his, you know, persistence to get the takedown and, um, you know, his hand skill that he did develop. And, you know, he has the power to, I mean, I, I I wouldn't think it's out of the question for him to be able to go up there and uh, and compete at that level. I mean, you know, he, he's he's one heck of an athlete, but more importantly, his mindset uh, is, is on another level too. Yeah, absolutely. So, how do you think he'd fare in a fight? Let's say Jan Bojovic was still the champion. We look at the skill for skill. How do you think he'd fare against a guy like that? I think he'd do really well, to be honest. I mean, you know, his, his ability to keep the guys, you know, guessing on what he's going to do, rather take him down or punch him in the face. Is, is on another level. So, um, you know, I think he would make those guys feel uncomfortable, but at the same time, adding, you know, the same lightweight, the welterweight pressure that we see him do against the, light, the welterweights. I mean, you know, could you imagine a guy with a work rate like that at, at 170 and just kind of putting that, those guys, um, you know, on the track, to say the least, because a lot of those guys, they can't handle that pressure. 
But then you put them at heavyweight, a light heavyweight, where those guys are not able to go with that kind of pace the whole time. You're looking at somebody who could potentially break a lot of people. And finally, this past weekend at heavyweight, we saw Francis Ngannou retain the heavyweight championship. He's going to be out for, it seems like, nine months. He's going to have surgery. But John Jones is somebody that everybody keeps mentioning in terms of the heavyweight championship. Now, if they were to make an interim championship between either John Jones against Stipe Miocic or John Jones versus uh, Cyril Gaon, how do you think Jones would do at heavyweight? You're, you've trained with him in the past. You've fought against him in the past. And I'm curious how you think his skills translate to that division. I think John would do phenomenal. I think that John is uh, you know, a very smart fighter. And, uh, you know, he's very um, he's very on top of his game. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't leave a stone uh, unturned. And, he, and he's really, um, you know, make sure he's preparing himself to go up to heavyweight. You know, it's just not something he said, I'm going to go to heavyweight and just fight heavyweight. He really makes sure that he's getting his body. He's getting, taking the right steps to to make sure that he's, you know, turning uncovering every stone. You know what I'm saying? He's uh, training with Henry Cejudo now. He's working on his wrestling. He's working with wrestlers like Jaden Cox and just, uh, you know, putting himself in a situation where, you know, he's not the best in a certain discipline, but he's gaining those skills, you know, and he's like a sponge. And uh, I think that John will, will, is going to do well at heavyweight, 100%. Well, we look forward to seeing his return, but one return that is for certain is yours this weekend as the co-main event against Gabriel Checo. Thanks for your time, Rashad. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Bye, bro. I'm pleased to be joined now by Ali Abdelaziz. And a big announcement today, Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, May 4th, reported by Berto Komodo. Uh, it's all put together, finalized? May 7th or May 4th? May 7th, maybe. I don't know. The UFC 274. It's just May. First week in May. Let's do it. Because <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. Yeah, man. It's, listen, at the end of the day, it's a rifle guy who's fighting Charles Oliveira for the title. I believe uh, Justin, you know, he took a time off and he got... Uh, a lot of things change. We see him. The other day, come out was a boring fight. He's crazy, you know. He always uh, entertain us. Uh, he's fighting for the lightweight uh, championship of the world for the second time. Um, he have one of the best coaches in the game, Trevor Whitman. He have Kamaru Usman as his teammate helping him out. And I think it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, Charles Oliveira has been looking great. Uh, he's put in beating a lot of good guys. But I feel, you know, his level to to this, and I feel. Justin on a different level of Charles Oliveira. Well, you can say that a fight is can't miss. I think this is one of those can't miss fights. I feel those are the two, my two favorite guys to watch in the sport. I'm not allowed to pick favorites, but in terms of the most entertaining, I would say those are the two most entertaining fighters in the sport. I don't doubt you. I think Charles Oliveira is very entertaining and he's grown as a, as a fighter, as a mixed martial artist, as a man. I will see him grow in front of our eyes. And Justin Gaethje, you know, you can close your eyes and feel the damage has done to people. And his the damage has been given. He's one. He's once in a lifetime opportunity type of person. And I think Dana White is a, he did a, the right decision here. And the best two guys in the division who is fighting. And at the same time, you have Benil Darush and fighting Islam Makhachev. And uh, it's like a four-man tournament, right? Uh, and uh, and uh, by end of the year, we're gonna know who's the best guy in the division. Now, an article came out today in GQ about Kamaru Usman. There's a profile about him. And it talked about how he was looking at moving up to 205 pounds last year to face Jan Boavich. He was training to move up. Is that something that could still happen in the future? Is him fighting for the two? I know he doesn't want to fight Israel at 185, but at 205, is that something that could actually happen? He was, he was that serious about fighting Blackwood. And uh, he really, truly believed he, he can beat him. Uh, you know, Blackwood is huge. But honestly, Kamar said, I'm the pound for pound. 
best fighter in the world, I should beat him, right? Listen, me and Kamaru, uh, we agree on almost everything except the Israel thing. I think Kamaru should move up and fight Israel. And I feel if it's they friends, you know, whatever, they're from the same region. But realistically, they're not teammates. They, they're not like here, to, uh, you know, they're here to make money. This is not the friend business here, right? And if it's enough money for both guys, I think both of you guys will fight. That's, I, th I think so. But uh, Frankie, you know, um, Frankie, um, Kamaru have not given me the green light uh, to talk to the UFC about possibility uh, to fight Israel. But listen, no disrespect to Leon Edward, he's next. Leon Edward is the next guy who's the next victim. You know, because, you know, everybody Kamaru has beaten, they become his victims, right? And I think um, Leon Edward has earned it. He's been, he has a great fight winning streak, has evolved. Uh, he doesn't talk much and it, it's fine, you know, because this is who he is. But in reality, uh, it's a high level mixed martial arts bout is going to be between Leon Edward and Kamaru Osman. I believe Kamaru Osman will put him away under three rounds. Uh, this is my prediction. And I extremely respect Leon Edward. I think he's a great fighter, but I always say it's very different between a great fighter and a good fighter. Now, another bout was made. The two highest-ranked guys in the welterweight division that haven't fought Kamaru yet, they both happen to be your clients. Vicente Luque and Bilal Muhammad are facing each other in April. Do you think that the winner of that fight, I mean, I'm sure you have a bias here, but I'm sure that you believe the winner of this fight is going to be next in line for Kamaru? Listen, this is the best of the best situation. You have you have Kobe fighting Masvidal. This is this guy is not gonna smell the title anytime soon. It's a great fight for the fan, entertaining, but they both they owe they owe and four against the champion, right? And you have Gilbert Brand in the mix. You know you have Vicente and Bilal. Listen, I, I uh, I'm grateful to be part of this great guys, and I got four guys in the top five, right? And uh, listen, at the end of the day. Um, you can say for Santi Obral win, they are the number one contender match. Also, you cannot take this away from them because they've been winning, they've been looking great. And I think it's uh, two great guys, two great fighters, and they always is going to be entertaining, like always. Now, Gilbert Burns versus Hamzat Chemaev, is that a fight that we're going to see? Listen, I, I, like I said, Dana White make fights. You know, I don't make fights. Uh, Gilbert has always raised his hand up when it comes a challenge. Kamzat Chavalaj is a challenge, a young guy who have a lot of talent. Uh, as far as I know at our end, that's what Gilbert wants, right? Uh, but I think the UFCs have to work some things out with Hamzat and his team, and I'm sure they're going to get everything done. But I said, I don't announce fight. It's a bald-headed guy in Las Vegas who does, and Dana White, who announced this fight. And, uh, and I'm sure uh, he will announce something soon if everything fell in order. See, I was going to say, before you mentioned Dana, I was going to say, you're a bald-headed guy that lives in Las Vegas. So I was going to say, you could announce it. But I guess that's not, not the way it works. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not the boss of the UFC. Dana White is. <laughs> you're at, uh, in Florida for Eagle FC. It's uh, on Friday night. Uh, great card, really, because you've got a good mix of uh, somebody like Rashad Evans, a former uh, UFC champion. You've got Tyron Spong, one of the greatest strikers on planet Earth today. And then you've got a good mix of younger talent as well uh, on, on this event. Is this the way that we're going to see Eagle FC cards go in the future? We're going to see kind of a good mix of all of those things? Every, inter, in every interview today, everybody asks me, like, I'm the promoter. Like I said before, I'm not the promoter. Khabib and Rizvan are the promoter. Uh, I'm just, luckily enough, we are family. And every time these guys do, do something, I'm going to use all my resources, all my assets to help them. 
you know, and um, I'm, and I'm gonna honestly, I'm gonna be a fan. I'm gonna sit cage side with Habib and watch the fight. Um, you know, a lot of my fighters fight on this card, but listen, this is a high level mixed martial art. Um, you know, old generation, new generation, mid age generation. You know, you guys, guys like uh, Ray Borg is coming back, still 28 years old. Ramazan, we saw him on the Dana White contender series, right? He's nine and oh, undefeated fighting John Howard. John Howard, we're gonna really see. If Rizwan, the guy the media has been talking about, right? You have Anti Anjikwani fighting a straight assassin, Riman. Riman is one of the best strikers I've ever seen, right? And um, you have, uh, you know, it's, it's so many great fights on this card. You have Rashad Evans, the co-main event. People are going to question, is Rashad is really back or he's just coming back to make some money? I truly believe Rashad is here to make a statement. I think he cleared up his mind. He had some lot of personal issues. Uh, four years ago, and I think he's over there. I think has grown as, as, as a person. And I think, listen, at the end of the day, people love Rashad Evans. He's fighting a young Brazilian guy. He's hungry. He want to take Rashad's head off. And listen, and also you have arguably one of the best strikers we've ever seen in MMA. I think Tyrone Spong is one of the scariest dudes on the planet. If you're going to a street fight or a bar fight, you want to take Tyrone, and he's fighting other bad, bad guy. Like, he's guy who beat Alistair Overeem, he beat Arlowski, he beat so many guys, uh, Sergei Hurtano. This is a high-level striking matchup. I think this fight is, doesn't go three rounds. I think somebody's going to go to sleep, you know. And I have to favor my guy here, Tyrone Spong, you know. He went to boxing, 14-0. and 0. His kickboxing fight is 101 and like 20-something. You know, he's one of the best strikers we've ever seen come around. And I think... Uh, you know, it's it's a great fight card for the fan. And um, it's always good to have one more promoter, right? More opportunity for guys, more money for guys. And they're paying guys the same start as the UFC. It's not like they're paying guys 500 bucks. So guys, you're making 10000 to show 10000 to win as a beginning. Guys on the main card, some of them making seven figures, right? Um, and I think uh, uh, Khabib is here not to compete with other promotions. He's here to put on great products and give fighters opportunities. This is what's going on here. Yeah, if that fight goes three rounds, I'd be very surprised. I'd be surprised if it goes three minutes. Uh, the Associated Press put out <laughs> <laughs> the Associated Press put out an article saying that uh, the PFL is re-signing with ESPN. But another thing that they added was that the PFL are confident that Kayla Harrison is going to be back on the PFL roster. How close are you to a deal with the PFL to bring Kayla Harrison back? Listen, Kayla Harrison. They should be confident because they know I'm I'm loyal guy and I'm always doing the right things. At the end of the day, I also have to do what's the best for Kayla. I think we are very close on signing. If, if I'm a betting man, you know, I'll see Kayla in 2022 season. But, you know, contract not signed. Couple small housekeeping stuff we're going to do. I've been talking to Pete and uh, Jim and Ray and everybody in PFL. And, I, you know, it's, it's the easiest people to work with. Great to work with. And now... Uh, you know, um, I'm grateful to to be part of uh, you know if this uh, if help him to grow as a manager. Like I'm helping Eagle FC. Like I have many fights in EFC or Bellator and one FC. I'm just uh, just uh, you know uh, PFL are special people have a lot of special talent. Uh, we're talking about Kayla Harrison. Um, if anybody else says she's not the pound for pound the greatest female fighter we've ever seen. I really want to talk with him because we thought Amanda, she's this person, but we, I all the time 
I know Amanda has quit in the past, right? Is no quitting in Kayla, right? Kayla can beat anybody, any woman on the planet from 115 to a heavyweight. You know, just line them up. We're going to beat them up. You know, um, of course, you know, a lot of people's interested. UFC, Bellator, many other promotion, but seem like uh, PFL writing a bigger check here. <laughs> and uh, this is what Kayla going to do. Yeah. With the PFL, how long of a contract would it be? And would she be able to leave for a big fight in the UFC if need be at some point in time? Because I know that that's important to Kayla is, is the legacy aspect of things. There's no big fights anymore. The GOAT has tapped, quit. You know, the, you know Amanda Nunes has quit it, you know. And she left the gym because, uh, because you know, the reason I never pushed Kayla to go to the UFC because I want Dan Lambert and Mike Brown and all these guys told me you know, we don't want them to fight each other. And, I, and I'm very respectful. I'm not the type of guy going to split teams, right? You know, Kayla always wanted to fight, beat Amanda's ass, to be honest with you. This is fact. She respects Amanda as a teammate, but Kayla's a, she wanted to be called the best. She's not here to be number two and number three. And you see Amanda left because she thought Kayla would try to go to the UFC and beat her. But it's not true. I think uh, uh, Kayla wanted to be the best period, and she is the best period of anyone. Uh, gonna say something like that. Maybe I'll smack him. <laughs> so why did why did Amanda leave the gym then? If if Kayla's going back to the PFL, was she was uh, listen, Kayla close to signing with the UFC? No, no, it, it, no. It wasn't even even a, a real serious conversation. But I listen. When people lose, always have to blame blame somebody. And I don't know what's really happened. That's what I'm hearing. She left because Kayla, Kayla, really respected Amanda, and she really did not want to interfere with any of her business. But at the end of the day, I wanted Kayla to beat Amanda's ass. I have no problems, Amanda. But I'm Kayla. I don't even manage anybody in this weight division because I'm just so tight with Kayla. You know what I'm saying? I am so tight with Kayla. And I feel Kayla will beat Amanda's ass any day of the week. I have no, I respect Amanda. I respect everything she has accomplished. Amanda do not last two rounds with Kayla Harrison. If anybody can say that, show me, you know? Like, listen, Juliana Pena, no disrespect, she just got beat by uh, Germaine. You know, she put her to sleep. But she's a dog. You know, what, what, what's her name? Uh, Pena's a dog. And she show, she pushed Amanda to a limit and she make Amanda quit. You tell me any of these ladies going to push Kayla and she quit? They're out of their mind. Kayla will, will eat them alive, all of them. That's what I think about it. What about Cyborg? I, I'm not saying that Cyborg would necessarily beat uh, Kayla, but I, again, what? if Kayla wants the big fights, Cyborg is out there. Brother, anybody want to ask about Eagle FC? That's my friend. He is the boss of Eagle FC. This is here. You have any questions? There he is, the man ask with the beard, Rizvan. <laughs> he's, he's the CEO of Eagle FC. I'm just a friend. I'm trying to get a good seat at the house. <laughs> well, it's nice to see Rizvan. You, you want to make a cameo, Rizvan? How are you? How's, how's the promotion going this week? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Super busy, but everything is fun and like looking good. So this is—is uh, is there going to be a crowd for this event? It's at like a production facility, right? It's a production facility. It's like a limited people going to only allow because we have like 200 seats only in the house, so it's like uh, invitational only. Oh, so there's no tickets being sold to the public? No, no, sir. And which fight are you most looking forward to? Honestly, there's going to be a lot of exciting fights, but. Uh, if we're going to talk like completely honest, I'm like very excited about the first fight on the main card with uh, Raymond and Anthony Giacone, and uh, also the main event, Tyron Spong and uh, Harry Connor. 
See, Rizvan, you got to be more like this Dana White. you got to just start naming every fight on the card. Yeah, I'm really excited for the main event, the co-main event, the first card. That, that's the promoter we'll hat get, you got to put we'll, on. We'll, we'll get in there. We'll get in there. <laughs> Slowly, step by step. Well, I, I appreciate it. I know that uh, this has been uh, a big uh, project for you and for, uh, for Khabib to put together uh, Eagle FC. Uh, no better place to put it than Florida. It's beautiful out there. Thank you, my man. Thank you. And we're waiting for you for this media here on the March 11 for the next card. Well, I'd like to go. I mean, my, my dad lives like t- 20 minutes from where you guys are doing these events, so I, should, I need to come down. Of course you can. Which part of it's Florida is it in? It's Miami. In Miami, yeah. It's my dad's listen like 20 minutes away. Listen real, real, Realistically, listen, Khabib and Rizwan now, the king is Miami. They, they, <laughs> they own a whole arena downtown Miami, and I was like, I know they're rich, but I didn't know they have this much money. <laughs> are you guys, guys going to be living in Florida for part of the year? No, I'm I'm I live in Las Vegas, man. No, I'm, I don't have enough money to live here. It's too expensive for me. <laughs> All right, Ali. Well, appreciate your time, Rizwan. Appreciate your time. Uh, I just wanted to wrap with that last question, Ali. So, Cyborg, is that wasn't a big conversation for uh, for Kayla? Bro, I don't know anymore about this this fighters because now, like people thought, you know, Kayla might fight Amanda. Amanda left. Uh, she left. She left the ATT. If we start talking about Bellator, Cyborg might, might retire. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't even want to talk about Cyborg. I don't want to talk about Amanda. I only want to talk about the pound for pound, the greatest female fighter of all the time. It is Kayla Harrison. I ran by, an idea by Kayla. I said that they should open up a 45 division too so she can win checks in two divisions. Is that something that PFL would be open to? Listen, at the end of the day, Kayla can make 45 easily. She, does, she walk around not much. Like She walk around almost at 60 right or 58 57 she doesn't even cut weight for 55 but then realistically she's the champion why does she even need to cut weight for all these girls you know like but if it's a 45 big fight like amanda or cyborg listen honestly my idea is after the season if if bellator scott coke is a great friend of mine don davis and pete pete married a great friend of mine i'll get him sit down and maybe one day we can make Cyborg versus Kayla. Kayla will fight her for the Bellator title. And after that, Cyborg come here for the for the PFL title. Why not? Listen, at the end of the day, at one point, co-promoter, ha- co- people have to co-promote. Like, you know what I'm saying? UFC was never going to co-promote with anybody. But all these other promotions, they need to co-promote. And there's nothing wrong with it. I just think everybody have a huge egos. That's the problem. And we saw Bellator and, and Ryzen co-promote, so it's not out of the question, like you said. It could happen. No, Scott, man, Scott Coker is the best, man. It's, this man is, like, honestly, one of the easiest people to deal with. He invented co-promoting. He's, he led the way, like, the, in the UFC led the way in many things, but Scott Coker has led the way with co-promoting, and he is a pioneer of that. All right, Ali, always appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to, to Eagle and looking forward to seeing uh, all of the guys on your roster that are competing. Some huge fights for, uh, for your guys coming up. Um, and I appreciate your time. U- Usman, Usman's going to be fighting when? When would you guess? June, July? Listen, I think Leon Edwards is the next guy. You know, um, uh, you know, um, you know June, July. Uh, just, uh, you know, I want to give him he some time off. The guy's been fighting so much. I just need him to enjoy his life, enjoy his family, enjoy his daughter. And uh, when the UFC call, we always pick up the phone and fight. All right, Ali. All the best. Congratulations on this. Uh, awesome. I know you're, you're not the, uh, the promoter, but uh, I think it's going to be a, a fun night. So thank you for this. Yes, sir. Thank you. 
Double J gets the W in her debut at UFC 270. It just looked like you were enjoying that entire fight week. I saw you at weigh-in smiling. It looked like you were just in your happy place. Yeah, no, um, fight week was awesome. I I thought that I was going to be more nervous or I thought that I was, like, you know, going to you know, feel uncomfortable and everything. But uh, the, the whole fight week went awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was I was really taking in, like, everything that I could. It, it was uh, it was good. What was it like to walk out the first time in a massive arena like that? It was amazing. I I loved it so much. I loved the fans. I'm like high five. I'm like let's go, let's go, and uh, it was getting me excited. I I want to do like more fans, the better. Now, I don't like asking fighters about this before a fight, but you were a pretty big underdog going into this fight, uh, at least in terms of the betting lines. Did you see that at all? And what did you think about that? Um, I didn't see it. I mean, I was like focused on the fight, but um, afterwards, then I did see, and like everyone was messaging messaging me saying like, "Oh, I want a bunch of money off you. Thank you very much." So like, that was awesome. I'm glad that uh, people took advantage of it. Did you get any sort of opportunity to talk to Kay Hansen, your opponent, either before or after the fight? Not really. Um, I mean, like I could have went up and talked to her. There were opportunities too. But, um, I mean, we're about to fight, so I don't, I don't think we need to have a conversation before or anything. Well, you were talking to her in the cage. Uh, <laughs> do you remember at all what you were saying to her when you had her on the ground? I, it was like in the moment. It was like, uh, I think I swept her, and then I'm like, ooh, we're in trouble now, or something like that, something stupid. <laughs> well, I guess you were kind of big-sistering her. Is that what they call it in the gym? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just... just you know, try to stir the pot a bit. Like my uh, one of the guys from the gym, my boy T-Shay, he's always talking when when we fight, and uh, it's like he he says that it it ensures that he's enjoying himself and and that he's having fun. And uh, I was like, you know, I was having fun in there, so uh, so I just started talking a little bit. <laughs> Is that the first time that that's happened in the cage where you've been talking to an opponent? I guess in the middle of a fight. Uh, no. I've, I've talked a little bit before, but not too much. It's fun talking. <laughs> well, it's Tuesday today. So what have you done since uh, winning the fight? Walk me through your last couple of days. You know, not too much. I um, What did I do? So Sunday we drove back from Anaheim, and it was nice. It was like a really a cool drive coming back through um, to Vegas because I'm flying out of Vegas. So uh, so drove back from Vegas. Um or to Vegas, sorry, and, um, you know, just hung out. We went for dinner in the evening. We met up with some of the people that I, that I like, I, you know, have in uh, Vegas. So we, we went up for dinner, and then the next day I had some stuff I had to get done at the PI and uh, went there, you know, had a nice little sauna. Um, I went and watched practice at Syndicate, and then, yeah, nothing too too exciting and then yesterday i uh i did practice at syndicate it was sparring so that was sweet uh, and you know and then uh not you know hung out just hung out i saw that obviously after the fight you were kind of taken aback by joe rogan standing right next to you did you just not see him uh, at that moment or were you just excited to see him because you probably haven't met him before 
No, I never met him before. And it's like after the fight, I feel like you're just in this like whirlwind, this like this euphoria. And uh, so it's like, I don't know. It was it, it feels like I I'm like viewing myself. I'm not actually like in the moment or anything. So I'm just like talking and, you know, everything's just so uh, so genuine. There's no thought behind any of it. <laughs> well, you didn't jump into his arms like the winner of the fight that came right after yours. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. <laughs> now, during the fight, I was watching the commentary. Have you watched the fight back? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, wa- I watched the fight um, <laughs> the next day. Uh, I think I watched that the in the evening, but I wasn't. I was still all crazy in the head, you know. But uh, yeah, I watched it the next day, and you know, I I could have uh, like done done a little bit more i i could have i could have uh been a little bit crazier but i but i figured for this one it's my debut so i just want to be patient and like get the win and then you know moving forward i can open myself up a little bit more and one thing daniel cormier said was that you can't make 115 pounds you're that much bigger than your opponent i guess little <laughs> did he know that i guess a year prior you had fought at 115 pounds so are we going to see you back in the straw weight division sometime in the future Potentially, I mean, uh, I uh, I don't enjoy making 115, but I can definitely do it, and uh, regardless of what Cormier says. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I for the right opportunity, I would go to 115. But right now, 125 is a great home for me. Well, what's the right opportunity then? No, no big fight. So like someone ranked, I guess, in the top 15 of strawweight. Pretty much, yeah. So if you took a fight like that, though, and you ended up winning, wouldn't you probably have to make Strawweight your home unless you're taking a short-notice fight or something? Yeah, probably. I mean, I'd at least have to fight fight a couple fights at Strawweight. But, I mean, we'll see. The world's your oyster. Well, it seems like a, a, a better situation for you with Flyweight because it would probably be easier for you to get into the rankings in that division. It's a lot less of a deep division. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there anybody in the division that you've looked at that you would like to face next? I mean, I know that usually on fight night, it's hard to come up with a name, but have you thought about it since then? Um, you know, I, I've i started to put some thought into it. Um, I actually, one, on uh, one of the posts that was made about me on Instagram, their kid, that uh, King Casey, she did one of those yawn faces, so then I'm like, oh, fuck, let's set that up, man. Why not? You know, if she's talking shit, then let's do it. <laughs> I'll leapfrog a bunch of people. Why not? Well, isn't she at – she's not a syndicate. Is she, she trains in Vegas, does she not? No, she's not at syndicate. I'm not sure. I think she's at uh, Extreme, maybe. Okay. Well, that's interesting that she, uh, she would call you out like that. I mean, it seems like you're taking out these, these, younger, these younger prospects that uh, people are expecting to beat you. She would probably be one of those, those people that would fall into that category. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that would be a pretty sweet fight, but uh, I, I more than likely will have to like, kind of go through the rankings. I won't be able to leapfrog that much, but we'll see. Where's I she mean, ranked? I think she's, I think she's like 15. Or thirteen or something. Okay, well, maybe you should just call for it. I mean, like you said, you're 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 not here for a, a long time. You're here for a good time, and that sounds uh, like an awesome fight. Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, let let's set it up, Nick. <laughs> so, how soon would you like to fight again? You know, are, are you just waiting for the phone to ring and you'll be there, kind of thing, or you want to take some time off? Um, I got a little bit of a shoulder thing going on, so I'm gonna 
I'm going to get that checked out and then uh, find out like kind of what, what the issue is with it. If I need to take time off or not. But um, I mean, it, it, I think, I think I could take something like short notice or do, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we'll see. Was that from before the fight? Um, it, like I, a little bit of nagging before the fight, but I, I think maybe I did a little bit more damage in the fight. Is Aaron Jeffrey fighting this weekend? I'm trying to remember. I think he has things scheduled. Are you going to his fights? Yeah, no, I, he is fighting, but unfortunately, I, I'm not able to go to his fight. You know, with all the border restrictions and everything like that, it's, uh, it's just too much. And so I'm going back home and, uh, but Chris and, and, uh, the coaches with, with Aaron, they're they're going out on uh, Thursday, so it's like I'm pretty much just missing them. Where is that? I thought that I saw the fights in ACA. Is that over in Europe? No, I, I think it's Philly. Okay, maybe I'm looking at the, the wrong promotion. That I was looking is, at the odds today, and I saw AC. I thought ACA was like a Russian promotion. Is he in no, CFFC? No. CFFC, yeah, yeah, t- uh, title fight for CFFC. Okay, so there was an error on the website I was looking at because he's the uh, middleweight champion there, so it'll be his first title defense at CFFC. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to watching him fight. I saw he cracked a great joke that got some traction on Twitter, uh, the, the Fight Pass. Uh, did you see the, the account that Fight Pass tweeted out and Aaron got some, some, uh, some traction with that? I didn't see it, no. What was it? So, so Fight Pass tweeted out, you know, Aaron Jeffrey is 0-2 in the Contender Series, <laughs> so yeah, he knows what this yeah, fight yeah. means. <laughs> That's right. I did, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Aaron's no, got a good sense funny. of humor, but I th- I'm sure Aaron understands the importance of this fight. Oh yeah, definitely. No, and and uh, that's one of those things. It's like any publicity is good publicity, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're at the airport now. I don't know if you played any of the airport slot machines, but you had uh, a great run of success so far. You may as well throw a couple quarters in there and see what happens. But uh, have a safe flight back, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Hopefully, everything's okay with your shoulder, and we can see you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. A big thank you to Rashad Evans, Ali Abdelaziz, and Jasmine Jastavicious. You can catch Eagle FC on Friday. You can catch Bellator MMA. The heavyweight championship is on the line this Saturday. Ryan Bader versus Moldovsky should be a a good one. Bader, a pretty sizable underdog in that spot. But you kind of want to root for Bader because Fedor says he would like to fight Bader. Of course, he's not going to fight Moldovsky because Moldovsky is his protege. But I kind of want to see Ryan Bader win so that we can see a... Fedor Emelianenko fight for the title in Bellator this year. Could it happen? Maybe. Let's see. Let's see how Ryan Bader looks in that matchup. Should be a fun one. And then next week, of course, we've got Sean Strickland headlining UFC fight night, and he'll be taking on Jack Hermanson. Another fun card next week. Uh, Of course, UFC 270 happened this past weekend. And if you'd like to hear a recap of that and uh, a lot more, you can check out the Regular edition, standard edition, with myself and Bazooka Joe Valtellini of the TSN MMA Show. Thanks for tuning into this, and we'll be back next week with more great interviews. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.